0: Six, six five, five, four, three, two, one.
1: Hello and welcome to episode eighty-nine of Rank and Review: Military Response this episode your host and random canadian larry parsons and his guest chris tomick are going to discuss six films in which the military involves itself with some supernatural shenanigans so i hope you're interested in this episode i hope you have a lot of fun with it Uh, it is a recording over skype chris was talking to me from perth australia so uh but i think it ended up sounding pretty darn good and i think you've got a good episode ahead if you would like to agree or disagree with me on that, you could send feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. You can find the show on Facebook, you can find the show on iTunes, and as always, please be warned, there's going to be some coarse language, and there's going to be some spoilers. Thank you for listening to Rank and Review. Tell a friend. Uh The last time you were here, Brother, we talked about uh, action bloodlust is what we called it, and now That's you're it. returning and uh, we're going to talk about what I'm calling military response. Most of these are horror movies. I would say five out of six for sure I could you could call it definitely horror element. They're all fantastical, but they all sort of focus on a military response to a monster or a catastrophe or whatever you chose this list out of a list of many lists i'm curious <laughs> as to why well
2: i uh my sort of fascinations lie in in history and uh and the military is the most important part of history as far as i'm concerned and so i've always had you know an interest in, in military things and it's always fun to see how militaries are portrayed on screen versus how you know my understanding of them especially in low budget horror films in particular <laughs> There's uh yeah it, it can uh, be different a lo- lot of details are lost <laughs> um
1: I recently uh reviewed the you know important cultural classic zombie strippers in which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in which I was highly critical of how the military was portrayed in that they yeah. were portrayed in a very inauthentic and ridiculous manner but the movie was on its face inauthentic and ridiculous. I think yes. although these movies are disparate, what they have in common is that they're at least attempting to take the military aspect somewhat seriously.
2: Yeah, I agree. There's there's not a uh in the classic zombie movie the the military's overwhelmed in minutes, yet six random civilians can withstand the horde for months. <laughs> so <laughs> At least at this,
1: they they
2: put up a fight for for the most part. Yeah.
1: Um, It's not particularly military history, which I know you're very specifically interested in. Uh, um, But uh, is there a particular insight you're going to be able to bring to this? I mean, I've known a lot of people in the military, but I myself am like a total flower child hippie dude. (laughs) I would (laughs) swim a river to avoid a fight. (laughs) There's very few situations I can imagine in which I would want to, you know, line up to do physical damage to anybody. (laughs) But... uh, I know a lot of people in that world, so I can sort of sniff in authenticity in movies like this. Like I know when people are putting it on. Like, as a rule, they tend to take it very fucking seriously. Right.
2: Well, I, uh, I, I guess I'm unusual in a way that I am interested in military history, but I would never like what learning about military history taught me that I have no interest in being in any war. Or fight or anything because
1: it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be the like uniform lesson. Like, uh, you can have the discussion is can somebody, you know, come out of a, a battle experience or an experience of war and still retain some of their soul or, or still be the same person they were before they enlisted? And the answer seems to be invariably nope, nope, and no. You know, like, uh, yeah. it will change you for the worse, no matter how noble your cause. Yeah, exactly. And when you've got, you know, supernatural monsters involved, that's got to be worse, right? But what I like about this is that it it takes the, you know, the gray out of the battle in a lot of ways, you know. A lot of war movies, we have this sort of morality that we have to face, you know, that these people are coming from two different perspectives that have become so... Heightened that they're literally killing each other now, but you can have usually empathy for both sides. Whereas when you have a big monster or like an alien that's here to drain <laughs> our oceans, we have no problem seeing their machine guns, you know, getting cut down and exploded. We don't feel any, we don't relate to them, they're monsters. So, yeah, it's
2: true. It's no, much it's, easier that's...
1: for the raw raw hoorah stuff to work in this context. <laughs> that's
2: true. And it's a good point because it kind of these movies, well, in this sort of movie you can go back to the old and old like, propaganda films or like 50s john wayne where it's just like them dirty japs or yep. the nazis you know slaughtering them as if they were monsters and uh you know how modern movies do try to portray the other side and and with these ones you could just go back to you know like basically how great the united states military might be shooting aliens for example yeah yeah, without any
1: any uh, yeah, any ambiguity. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so it, 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 there's a fine line in movies for me too. I lo- I love me like Predators went right up there with me for like monster movies. I fucking love it. And a big part of it is that military side that these are a bunch of badasses that get in <laughs> way over their head. They're guys who are yes. not used to facing something that that's a challenge. You know, they can handle anything. And I think that that <laughs> attitude is bred into a lot of, like, Marine-style, who-rock, you know, characters. Uh, yeah. m- movies do tend to deal in cliches, and particularly military themes. We tend to see repeated characteristics over and over again throughout films. We are going to run into them here. I think every one <laughs> of these films is at least guilty of one I cliche, outright cliche. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah cookie cut cookie cutter characters
1: for sure abound. I think you got a tough list this week, brother, but uh I, I take solace in that, that you chose it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I feel less guilty like I didn't you know inflict this upon you. But is there anything <laughs> you wanted to say by way of introduction before I go through the movies we're gonna talk about when we do this episode of Rankin Review? No, let's go. Thank you for doing this all the way from Perth, Australia. Interestingly enough, Chris is currently talking to me from the future, and I'm currently <laughs> talking to him in, from his past, and presumably everybody who's listening to this is listening to this in the future. <laughs> I just got a nosebleed, so. <laughs> uh, technology is wonderful. I can connect with rank and reviewers acro- around the world now. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, th- we this... Do you live in the
2: future already? Yeah,
1: we live in the future, despite <laughs> President Trump. Anyway, <laughs> the six military response genre movies that I have selected <laughs> this week: we have Battle Los Angeles, starring Dimple Chinned Eric e- Aaron Eckhart. Uh, we have Starship Troopers Two. We have Red Sands. We have The Hills Have Eyes Two Remake. <laughs> So not the 70s, Hills Have Eyes 2, but the early aughts, Hills Have Eyes 2, I think. Um, Ang Lee's Hulk made its way into the list by default. (laughs) And lastly, uh, I'm going to take another run at uh, Outpost, uh, which is sort of a Nazi zombie picture that uh, I reviewed way back in episode 11 uh, while suffering heat stroke. So uh, Chris and I are going to unpack that one again, see if we can uh, maybe get a little get our hands a little dirty anything else you want to say before we do this brother no let's do it all right on february 25th 1942 100,000 people witnessed something in the skies above los angeles over 1400 anti-aircraft rounds were fired by the u.s military to no effect this actual encounter was only the beginning
0: Objective has never been explained until now.
2: These objects were completely undetected until they entered our atmosphere.
0: What well, we just witnessed come out of the ocean! Twelve different locations across the globe were breached. There are massive casualties in Moscow, Paris. We lost communications with Tokyo, Rio, and New York. Cannot
1: lose Los Angeles. So, this vérité style in movies, I think, is becoming increasingly popular to some people's uh, sort of frustration. I think it's been popularized by directors like Paul Greengrass and Danny Boyle. It's sort of the style where the camera's constantly shaky and moving. It feels almost like it's a documentary crew following our people around, but it's not presenting itself as a found footage movie. It's just got a lot of movement, a lot of chaos, a lot of... It's a hectic frame, constantly. And uh, this is a good method for, you know, getting reality out of action scenes and chase scenes. But some people find it disorienting. There's this weird sort of Blair Witch effect where when the camera never stays still for long enough, some people, <laughs> you know, start grabbing the puke bags. Um, if there's a flaw with, like, Battle Los Angeles as far as, you know, a movie setting itself goals and, you know, w- how they achieve them, this is an alien invasion movie where we get in dirty at the ground with a bunch of Marines who are fighting off an alien inv- invasion. And I think that it's completely successful in doing what it's attempting to do. How much somebody enjoys that is going to be sort of relative <laughs> to the person. I really kind of got into it. I think that it worked um, and I think that the acting was uniformly strong and that the special effects, although almost 90% CGI, really worked for me. So, as our first movie jumping into the military response, I'm quite impressed with Battle Los Angeles, but I'm completely willing to hear a second opinion. <laughs> uh, no, you won't uh, hear any arguments from
2: me. Um, this is, this is a, this is a, this is a solid film. It's it, tough. It, uh, yeah, it it's not. It's definitely not uh, what uh, cinema verite or whatever. But uh, it's it does what it achieves what it wants to achieve. It it gives you a first person, almost first person view of of an alien invasion. Yeah, it's it's, it's good, and the effects are astonishingly good. Yeah, like the especially like the the landscape shots of like Los Angeles under attack. When they have the, the night, the, the scene where they're flying in the helicopter at night and the city's on fire. And I actually, just for a moment, I was like, oh, you know, that's not really <laughs> Los Angeles on fire. Yeah. That's all just effects. And it's, it was just, I just for a moment, just like
1: appreciated how, how good it looked. Hilariously, they didn't even shoot this movie in Los Angeles, believe it or not. <laughs> no. <laughs> it would have been way too expensive and costly. They shot it somewhere in the southern states and uh, redressed and uh, put up some palm trees. And basically, most of the time they were shooting in ruins and rubble. So it was easy enough to yeah, fake. Uh, yeah, exactly. Any, any any American city looks, I guess, pretty much the
2: same when you're just running around suburban houses and yeah. and city blocks on fire.
1: The trajectory of the film is uh, following, this again, the squad of Marines. Uh, basically, we spend the first hour of the movie, well, the first little bit of the movie, we get have the getting-to-know-you scenes, which are necessary, you know, so we recognize one face from another. But basically, once the action starts, our heroes are just getting their asses handed to them for most <laughs> of the movie. Like it, it eventually leads to a, a significant victory, which signifies presumably the turning of the tide of the battle. But it's it's far from you know over with. This is not Independence Day where somebody gives the aliens a virus and suddenly they go away. <laughs> <laughs> All the aliens disappear. Well, I like I like that in this film that it's
2: like now that we've achieved the Independence style victory, it's very much like a a, a new Independence Day, right? Yeah. But but like done sort of more
1: seriously or competently it's treated more it, uh, district what was that movie district nineteen district nine district nine, nine. Yeah, that, yeah I think that that sort of set the tone that this movie sort of vibed on I'm not I don't think they're counterfeiting it or anything just just the atmosphere and feel of it and that it, yeah, you know sure. they were taking something pretty sci-fi pretty outrageous and presenting it as in as realistic a, a format as possible
2: mm. it's. Yeah. And oh, yeah. So they, they don't. Yeah. When they defeat the aliens, it's like now we have a chance. Yeah. Not not. That's it. Not not all the Suddenly all the alien men just
1: fall down. Yeah. <laughs> this advantage yeah. that the aliens have sort of been banking on has now been taken away and the playing fields is somewhat leveled. But yeah, the, the day is not completely saved, you know, and for every victory, the, there's harsh casualties.
2: Yes, we, we are losing a lot of people and I, I thought it was particularly effective. The the infantryman, the soldier who gets um, cut off at the start of the movie right. and then he gets wounded and they go back and they rescue him, gets on the helicopter and then and is then killed then gets anyway. Killed.
1: Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that uh, that subverts expectations. They spend a good, like, 40 minutes getting to that helicopter sequence. And for some reason, I felt it happening, like, just moments before it happened. Like, mm. I said the helicopter's going to explode, and then a few seconds later the helicopter exploded. <laughs> I still thought it was effective, but for some reason, something told me there was some kind of tell that happened for me. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, I mean, it's still, like, it's comp- it's very competent filmmaking, because all the all the pavlov's guns they set up they fire right yeah you know and then and then that scene the helicopter scene introduces the new plot which is which is we have to stop the alien drones yeah and give our air force a chance Yeah. i mean i have to have to roll my eyes a bit at the start of the movie like aliens have invaded and yeah. now we have to send a, a single <laughs> a single squad deep into enemy territory to find a, a random few random civilians like i think just Mark well, them off as casualties and deal with the
1: alien invasion. I've been pretty glowing, so let me say a few things against the movie. Mm-hmm. I think because this movie did have the full cooperation of the military, the portrayal of the military is very saintly. There's yeah. not even really any problem childs in the group as far as the military. Everybody is one hundred percent noble and on task. Every death is tragic and noble and great, you know. Every character is, you know, a strong there's a weird almost we're recruiting you for the military vibe to the movie that kind of sometimes makes me uncomfortable, right? But the flip side yeah. of the coin is that they don't, you know, get in bed with the military and it doesn't feel authentic. So it's it's sort of the line you have to walk. You either go the route of Black Hawk Down where you portray the military authentically but 100% positively. Or you go the route of, you know, let's say to pick a name out of the uh, Red Sands uh <laughs> where you just kind of try and fake it right yeah this movie isn't faking it but i think that it cost it in giving some of our characters dimension I think yeah. people would freak out and panic and run away to go try and just take care of their own family. I think you would see levels of insubordination. I think you would see people, like, not making sense of why are we risking our lives for this one pocket of civilians because there's pockets of civilians needing rescuing everywhere we go. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah for sure. <laughs> nobody at every point questions anything. Nobody is anything but absolutely perfectly on point. And... Yes that's that's maybe a little bit inauthentic <laughs> yeah. i also the movie could have definitely benefited from
2: you know a few a char- characters freaking out like yeah it's like oh the aliens invasion let's sort it out lads it shouldn't someone should probably be like losing their shit about that like oh my god does god exist anymore yeah. something like that the rules have completely
1: but... been reset
2: and as far <laughs> as they know yeah.
1: everybody they know is either at the very least in terrible danger but could be you know dead for all they know yeah. Problematic. I also think that they overplayed their hand on the scale of the catastrophe. I can't remember. Maybe you can help me. But I, I think one of the news broadcasts say they're draining the ocean and have taken almost a third of the world's water. They say like, something
2: like, "No, they say the ocean levels have begun to appreciably drop." And I think
1: that's already a global catastrophe. they've absolutely. been there for like
2: they've been there for like th- an hour.
1: Yeah, I thought they said something like a third of the world's ocean, like that. That would change the actual like the weight of the planet itself like the the <laughs> yeah. repercussions would be so sudden and severe that it would like it would be a practically a planet ending <laughs> catastrophe yeah well so i think they might have overplayed their hand in the level of what these aliens were doing <laughs> that's true well there is the i get
2: you know get the news story exposition style uh updates but you know the news wouldn't necessarily be 100% reliable. Reliable in yeah. that, but it's still in in movies. You just assume it is. So well, you know, they could have they could have made it a bit. They could have thrown in a few like uh, false news stories to like give give you you know like a few things that obviously turn out to be wrong later, so that you can see oh it's a bit of an unreliable choir. Yeah,
1: and the water seems to be a rare thing in space. Apparently, ice isn't so much.
2: Yeah, there's there is apparently somewhere in space just like a massive
1: of liquid water Yeah, I, I read that song <laughs> we, we need
2: an excuse for the aliens to come here yeah. and again
1: <laughs> I don't want to be that guy suing thats face I don't want to spend the whole movie fighting the plot the plot is aliens yeah. have come and the, for some reason a line has been drawn in Los Angeles and <laughs> yes. it works way more than it doesn't uh, especially considering this this director's pedigree Okay, he's most recently done the Nouveau version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles he did a not at all good sequel of the Clash of the Titans remake. He yeah, did an Wrath o- of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans. <laughs> he did uh, an okay, I guess, if you like that sort of thing, prequel for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> and an absolutely hilariously bad Australian shot horror movie called Darkness Falls. What I'm saying is, I did not see this movie coming from Jonathan Liebesman. Like I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs>
2: yeah it's it's solid, and for people who like military porn, this is it Cause yeah. there's so there's you know there's gunships and helicopters and tanks, all blasting aliens yeah and the aliens I think are really cool. they look you know kind of ramshackle, all their ships make all this crazy noise, and their engines are uh very primitive, and it looks you know how they got here is a total mystery, but it looks like they're alien enough. But maybe we would stand a chance fighting them.
1: Yeah. And I like that we're learning about the aliens at the same time as our characters are. There's a really yeah. grisly scene where they drag in a half-dead alien and start cutting on it to try and see, like, where's the vulnerable spot? Where's, <laughs> you know, where where do we need Bayonet to... Bayonet autopsy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> some point during the autopsy the alien would die and they would, you know, learn something from that. Uh, or that little detail where they said that the weapons were actually surgically attached to the aliens. They were yeah. in not able to drop their weapons. Um, yes. Kind of interesting, gives you an idea of how aggressive your opponent will be. Uh, a yeah, lot of... And,
2: sorry. Yeah, they give little hints to their... So sort of little hints to the background, like... You know they have leaders, and they're hypothesizing that they, you know, the grunts are being uh, led, you know, in a way, sort of against their will, will. You know, they're just following orders. Or,
1: but still, it's still, it's still, you don't feel bad when they, when they shoot one. You can never. <laughs> and when like there's a a really sort of heroic moment that's given to the Aaron Eckhart character where he blows up a gas station and takes out one of these alien gunships with it, but while he does it he realizes it's not even manned (laughs) this whole like this thing that's been fucking with them like mercilessly there wasn't even a one bad guy on board you know even the scorecard uh so it's pretty nihilistic and i do this i do think that the sudden worm turn at the end is maybe a little bit of a hollywood thing in a movie that didn't feel overtly hollywood and, yeah, you know, them true. charging back into battle after it was, Hoorah, sign up for the military. Oh, it really that,
2: That's the worst part. I wish they'd cut that last scene because it's <laughs> unnecessary.
1: Just for a split <laughs> second, I've had flashes of the original Starship Troopers, right? And this movie <laughs> had not been that. It had not been that. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez okay. shows up playing the same character that she plays in every single movie. Which is yeah, to she say she
2: just she's has fine, to get her, but like her, her sassy or badass levels. Yeah. Do you want it at forty or sixty percent today? Yeah. She's she's the worst part of the film for me. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's just really distracting to see her in the way, because she's she doesn't feel like a the other the other people feel they they're sort of cliched characters, you know, you got the the, the guy um, one day from retirement well, he's actually retired but he <laughs> retires on the day that the aliens come yeah and then you've got like the new lieutenant he's he's unsure of himself and blah 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 yeah but then you got michelle rodriguez who is just like she's just a cool latino badass tough as nails <laughs> like, she's michelle rodriguez
1: yeah and again that's just like she's really good at playing michelle rodriguez but every now and then i kind of wonder can she legit do anything else because i honestly haven't seen it i haven't seen it and i'm not saying that what she does is bad i'm just saying i i, I couldn't differentiate her characters in the movies that i've seen of her Yeah, exactly she's
2: the same in resident evil it's the same character it's every
1: any film
2: yeah and that's that was annoying just to have her there being you
1: know, uh, michael peña shows up as this uh, nervous father who uh, you know, yeah. wants to do the right thing, wants to be as cool and noble as the military, but because he hasn't dedicated his life to service, has to take one for the team. <laughs> he learns to be noble at the cost of his own life. If it, only he'd he spent his life training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I actually like I wasn't aware of him, Michael Pena. Right. I, I, when I first watched this movie, right, and then then he's become more popular, sort of in comedic roles, and then he, and then I saw this with him in, and I was like, oh, he's like, he's not doing bad. He's yeah. pretty good, serious in a serious role.
1: Uh, I think yeah, I, I saw him recently in uh, End of Watch, oh, okay. uh, which is a, a pretty gritty detective thriller. Uh, he's pretty solid in that, and he's on the rise again. Uh, I don't think he was stretching himself necessarily for this movie, but solid, like everybody else, like Aaron Eckhart himself. I think Aaron Eckhart's a really, really good actor, but Hollywood just doesn't know what to do with really, really good actors these days. Uh, You didn't need an actor as good as Aaron Eckhart, but it was nice that we (laughs) had him. Uh, Aaron Eckhart famously got uh, coffee thrown in his face for the role he played in this indie film called In the Company of Men, in which his character was so despicable that at whatever film festival he was, a woman who had seen the movie, just seen the movie, threw coffee in his face. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Poor poor guy. (laughs) Some people need to understand movies aren't real, I guess. (laughs) It's just a story that was on screen, but, um, yeah, uh, (laughs) Good time battle mm-hmm. Los Angeles. I don't know what more I want to say about it. Is there anything you want to say about it before we move on?
2: Uh no, I think uh, I think we covered it. Good solid film. Yeah. Worth a watch.
1: So. It like I said, it achieves what it wants to achieve. It was well done, and it was better than I'd expected. So bravo to everyone involved. Now sign up for the military.
0: You wanna live forever? Our war is going better than ever. But we need heroes. We need you whole new strategy calling for total war against the bug on every front. They're building up. They're all around us. Where's my free outpost, Corporal? It's here! put guy. Time to gets inside and takes over. We're getting the vision. all the species, they have a plan. I'll ah! person it the perimeter!
1: The original Starship Troopers for me is like a weird. Guilty pleasure of mine because I find so much of it intensely problematic, and yet I kind of dig it a lot at the same time too. It's got this weird Nazi youth vibe to it. It's got a lot of like wooden wooden acting, and it's just crazy, crazy over the top in your face for two grueling hours of nonsense. Um, and somewhere, somewhere in amongst it, there is a tiny little insect brain,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: uh paul Verhoeven did not show up for the sequel phil tippett who's mainly known for doing special effects but who has worked on amazing projects like the man knows his shit uh as far as you know makeup effects this was sort of his first dance as far as movies and uh coming off the back of something as big as starship troopers i'm sure this had a third of the budget But if that, yeah, for me, the problem, though, eventually comes down to being less about the budget and more about them tonally shifting almost too severely from the source, like the original Starship Troopers was in your face and over the top. And this movie sort of starts in that place and then tries to settle into this sort of darker, groovier, like uh, body snatchers, the thing type of horror movie and uh I see what they're trying to do and I see that being an easier beast to tackle with the lower budget and the restraints of this production that they were working on but it doesn't feel like Starship Troopers to me it feels like a completely different movie
2: it it comes across as definitely a some some amateur filmmakers twist on Starship Troopers they have because they sort of try to work in the the uh, would you like to know more elements, you know, yeah. the propaganda style elements of the first one, uh, and then the dark twist is like, oh, we we died pointlessly for nothing, but they're making uh, heroes out of us. Yes, that's you know, which is which you can read into the first one, but it's not overtly stated that it's you know this is trying to undercut. It in a very clunky
1: way yeah <laughs> the, the in a way game. you could look at the entirety of the first starship troopers as a recruitment slash propaganda piece that they would be showing to try and get people to sign up to go fight the bugs right
0: yeah
1: and uh yeah that was something that they would either choose to do or not one would think and the fact that they just sort of half-heartedly winked at it for the first little while of the movie and then abandoned it entirely i don't know <laughs> yeah. It f- it felt a little bit disrespectful. It seems, like I say, tonally quite different. But if I discard all of that and try to just look at Starship Troopers 2 as a low-budget sci-fi horror movie, well, then I can be a little bit more forgiving. I still wouldn't yeah. say that it's anywhere near amazing, but I have seen <laughs> a lot worse. A lot worse. And I think that the special effects and sort of the gotcha moments of the script... Work well enough that if you're gonna sit down to rent *Starship Troopers* 2, you will get superficially what you would expect in that <laughs> there'll be a lot of grisly death by bugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm sort of of two minds. At the end of the day, it's just kind of a movie that it, 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 I'm neither here nor there about. It's hard to get passionate about it either way. <laughs> but i don't think it's better than starship troopers and like i said i'm kind of
0: <laughs> guilty
1: <laughs> about my enjoyment of starship troopers well i should i should say that i was
2: 12 around 12, 12 or 13 when starship troopers came out and so for me it was the, the greatest thing i'd ever seen at the time yeah you know shooting aliens dropping bombs and machine guns and boobies in the shower yes it was i was at the perfect age for for the first film so i'll always i'll always enjoy it unironically yeah. um but yeah starship group doesn't uh, starship 2 does not does not capture the first film no. and it has it has issues as a standalone sci-fi film as well
1: <laughs> well
0: this, I, the, I, yeah.
1: the plot of it as it is is sort of we have a somewhat of an alamo situation uh, we've got this group of Soldiers who are sort of stuck and surrounded by a horde of bugs and are waiting to be rescued. And uh, they get their hands to a high-ranking member of the military, a general who uh, they need to get to safety and who is sort of their ticket out of there. His being there would prioritize their exit. The twist is a new bug has been exposed. A bug that can wear people is sort of a human suit almost and... uh, you know slip in and be you know unrecognized and make more you know so again we go to this body snatchers things where we're not sure who has been infected by the bugs and who hasn't but it seems that the goal is this general they get the general infected and then basically the bugs are leading the troops the tide of the war will change. So, despite this huge epic battle going on in other places and in space that we can't see, we can't see because we can't afford it. The real important battle is going to sort of play out in this little bunker. And uh, you know, who's who. Let's do our little low-budget version of the thing. And uh, I've seen the thing a lot. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So, if you're going to tread on that ground, you better you better bring something to the table. Uh, the only thing that I will give them points for is there's some pretty solid moments of special effects. When we first see a head bug, bud, ugh, I can't talk today. When we first see a head bug revealed, like when they pull the bug out of the top of that dude's head, that looks pretty yeah. awful. <laughs> uh, well,
2: I was I was I was flabbergasted by that scene because at the start of the movie, there's like well all their weapons are. In the first film, uh, you know, blank firing rifles yeah. in plastic cases, and you know, it's it's looks cool. Cases are spewing out of them. In this, they are like plastic tubes with a blinking light in the front.
1: Yeah, like,
2: it's really like a, a like a light bulb. Again, and, and then, that
1: comes down to budget, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. And and then the the bugs swarming in the background. I'm um, I'm pretty. I was thinking, is are they is that is that like taken from the first film, that they've you know just made dark and. Anyway, I don't know. But then when it that, it that, could be repurposed.
1: It might be repurposed first animation. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe
2: it, it looked. I thought I was like looking at them, like seeing their movements and think. I was thinking, like, is that like taken? Have they like overlaid that effect from the first film, if they could? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And then then they have that scene, like some of those those grisly effects shots of you know horror body horror shots, and I'm like, oh, that actually looks good, you know in a horrifying good way compared to what we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, So, you know, props to them for that, because that that does look, you know, grisly and cool.
1: There were a few moments where the movie lit up for me. The first guy that we find out is revealed to be a bug, uh, when we first meet him, we kind of like him. We kind of think that his weird behavior is due to him being exhausted and kind of like uh, just a bit of a spaz generally. But we realize (laughs) that, you know, No, they need to fix the border because if the bugs don't swarm in here and kill them, it'll seem suspicious, right? (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) and it seems like this bug is wearing this human suit and the human suit is wearing out fairly rapidly. And I kind of like that, the way that was played, you know, like uh, I like that characterization. There's another scene where uh, one of the uh, privates gets infected by a whole group, like the entire room turns against her simultaneously and uh, it, it feels very rapey all of a sudden, the way they yeah. all close in on her, force her down on the table and then infect her with this bug. And uh, it was just weirdly a, a strangely strong scene in a movie full of scenes that were not that strong. <laughs> so credit where credit is due. Yeah, there's sort of like uh, this sexual
2: uh Steam maybe running through it like the bugs are causing everyone to get kind of sexy as a way of sp- spreading themselves and and yeah it does it culminates in that in, in in the rape vibe scene, and it's it's yeah like like you said tonally well how well, this is not Starship Trooper no well.
1: but. <laughs> sexuality being an important sort of element of it, I've never really minded. It was definitely present in the first Starship Troopers and it makes more sense to me here in this sort of booyah environment in that we're going to get our guts ripped out by a bug any day now, but we're going to kill as many of those bugs as possible. If you live under that mentality, then on your time off, you do as much fucking as you can, right? Because every day may be your last. This is living life to its fullest, question mark.
0: (laughs) so like i didn't mind
1: necessarily how sexual it was plus it is a b movie like this movie is sold on sex and violence at some point i'm just gonna have to stop apologizing for it you know
2: (laughs) no i mean uh, i'm fine with
1: it don't get me wrong yeah yeah but (laughs) it's just
2: the yeah the tone is 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 dark that's and it's it's kind of cool you know it's a it's a good excuse to put some titties in there because the bugs that's how the bugs are reproducing themselves yeah by making everyone <laughs> horny.
1: Well, and, and like, again, if I was one of those grunts, like, in that situation, really believing, yeah. we're either going to get rescued or we're going to die in the next 24 hours, and this beautiful blonde news? woman starts unbuttoning her shirt and luring me towards her bunk, <laughs> Yeah, she's got me. I've got a bug in my brain. I'm sorry, there it is. (laughs) I'm weak, Chris. I'm weak. Might as as well enjoy yourself before you get eaten by the bugs anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, if you you think that maybe I'd like to check out Starship Troopers 2, it will be there for you. I mean, I can't really say that you should, like, fall over yourself to, to seek it out. But I'm not going to wag my finger too severely. First time director, a third of the budget of the original film. Like, the main problem would probably go to the script. I think that the guy who was writing the script maybe didn't want to be writing Starship Troopers 2. He wanted to be writing the reboot to The Thing. And he just tried to, you know, square that circle. And he just made this movie into the movie he wanted, you know. It's arguably not as much Starship Troopers as even Starship Troopers 3 is. But... I think it's moderately more successful than Starship Troopers 3. So there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I uh I think there's a there's a scene right at the end which sort of um hi- highlights what you're saying that the the script writer maybe didn't didn't want to do it or didn't quite get it when a recruiter who's trying to encourage someone says more meat for the grinder to like, the baby. That's a positive yeah. thing and it's like uh, you know in the first movie that was like an embittered veteran
1: saying that yeah as a warning not
2: you know that's not a good recruitment slogan
1: and again that was them finally throwing back to the over to the top satire in the very last gasp of the movie we saw a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end but it didn't belong there it really stuck out because of it, it did it did for sure yeah
0: your staff sergeant was killed As were all the other members of your squad. Somehow, you survived. Survived. Survived.
2: Welcome to your new home.
0: Seven soldiers. Dismount. 360! On a mission. What is it, Wilcox? Man, you shouldn't have shot that. Just unleashed. What happened to these people? Their worst nightmare. You can hear me. We're stranded out here. You're dead, man. Run! Go! There's something out there. Red Sands. Now, would you mind telling me what happened out there?
1: So, Red Sands... This one's really heartbreaking for me, and I'll tell you why. In uh, episode one of Rank and Review, I reviewed fairly positively a micro-budget horror movie called Dead Birds. And much like Red Sands, it was a very ambitious horror movie on a tiny budget. But much unlike Red Sands, (laughs) Dead Birds was quite successful in being a creepy sort of Lovecraftian western. Whereas Red Sands is sort of going to step into the territory of the djinn and try and sort of bring that kind of mythology to the screen. The the guy who wrote the screenplay to this, um, sorry, just Simon Barrett, has gone on to great things in the horror genre. He did uh, two of the better segments from VHS 1 and 2. He wrote The Guest. He wrote The New Blair Witch. He wrote... um, uh, You're Next, a really good sort of funny home invasion thriller. And uh, even before this Red Sands movie, he wrote a guilty pleasure B-movie of mine called Frankenfish about a gigantic killer fish in the Cajun swamps. Like, (laughs) I actually consider myself a fan. And uh, when I heard that Red Sands was coming out from the same director as Dead Birds and this writer that I liked, I I got excited about it, and it was such a heartbreaking experience to sit down and watch, because again, it's an ambitious horror movie, and uh, for the budget, trying to do this thing that's set in Afghanistan, that's you know got all these military guys, that's full of crazy gin special effects and firefights and like they did not have the means to make this movie, I think is the number one problem with the movie, but it's not its only problem. So the beans are out of the bag over here. I'm not a huge fan of uh, Red Sands, but uh, what do you have to say about it? I It's one
2: of the worst films I've seen in recent memory. <laughs> and it is a shame because it's actually the film... Out of this list that I was most intrigued by right. premise-wise, because I thought, oh, there's like a, you know a military horror film in Afghanistan, contemporary sort of conflict. That's yeah. that's a pretty fresh, fresh idea. And then the entire film is sort of on a <laughs> small, badly info, not even in focus soundstage. Yeah, <laughs> and it does not even come close to. To realizing its ambition,
1: you already mentioned before I pressed record some of the worst CGI helicopters ever. (laughs) Yeah, like like '90s quality computer game graphics. Yeah, like to the point. Like speaking as a micro-budget filmmaker. If I saw that footage, I would say, okay, we're officially just going to hear the helicopters now. <laughs> like, sure. you would and... be better served to just use a sound cue than that. If it's that bad, don't use it. Don't yeah, offend I mean, just... your audience that early in the movie. <laughs> no,
2: no. Put color, like, like saturate some, um, some stock footage. You know, there's enough videos of helicopters flying around in the Middle East, that you could you could pay to put some of that in your movie rather than rendering as horrendous <laughs> helicopters.
1: Uh,
0: you know,
2: when you see something that bad, it just takes you out of
0: it yeah, completely. It, and it and, happens
2: and it is...
1: really quickly. You're taken out of the movie really early, and you're never really given reason to get back in. Yeah, I should do a little bit of service to the plot. Um, Shane West plays the seeming sole survivor. Of uh, a bunch of U.S. soldiers who were in during a mission in the Middle East, uh, get separated or somewhat lost from where they're supposed to be, and while they're trying to sort it out out of boredom, one of them sort of destroys this ancient statue that's been uncovered in the sand, and thus doing releases this ancient evil, this jinn, and uh, the powers of this jinn seems to be multifaceted and nonspecific. I recently reviewed a movie called Death Watch, which was set in World War One, where a bunch of military guys are in an evil place and evil shit happens to them. And my big complaint was that, like, there was not enough about the evil to sort of give it a mythology or to make it make sense. It was just a bunch of crazy evil shit happened. And I kind of feel like Red Sands is that, but even worse. <laughs> yeah uh, the uh, I, I find that these horrors in
2: movies are better when they have some defined rules yeah and it, that gives the characters something to think about like to overcome rather than just non-specific maybe it's making people crazy or it's making hands come out of the sand or yeah. you know it's
1: uh yeah so it, yeah, this whole story is... has no. The whole story is being told to us by by Shane West, like I say, the Lord's about Vir. He's telling it to j k. Simmons, who's in this movie for some reason, somebody had some <laughs> photographs of j K. Simmons that he did not want <laughs> on the internet. I don't know um but yeah, that's another sort of thing that, in a way, it's sort of a familiar device. We're going to go back and see what happened, but in another way, we know not to get attached to anybody right. So yeah. a lot of the suspense is killed there, and if the movie had the production value and sort of the you know atmosphere to get past that, then maybe it could have you know still made that work. But between you know their their knees being blown out by their budget, and the fact that the movie gets descri- deprived of its suspense by the wraparound sort of narrative, and that then the CGI effects are. <laughs> Before.
2: Embarrassing. And just, just, just the cinematography in general is is bad. You know, there's it's just everything's sort of fuzzy and red. Yeah. And it's like lots of just close-ups of guys with fuzzy backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and them... the characters are, are like, you know, ill-defined. There's like there's the nerd and there's like the main guy and there's the sergeant and then I can't remember anyone else.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well oh, um, no, there's a racist guy well there, of there's, there's sort of one interesting scene where the n bomb is dropped yeah and 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 their black sergeant like shoots the guy yeah and and yeah, and I was like okay it's that that's it's kind of interesting
1: you could see moments uh, where if it had more to give like we could have the scenes would have worked. I was talking about in Battle of Los Angeles how all of the characters in that movie were very heroic, very noble, very, you know, great. If they got killed it wasn't because they were bad, it was because, you know, cruel fate. Um in this one it seems like all of the soldiers are bad. Every single one of them seems to have like a war atrocity in their back in their in their back <laughs> history that this djinn can exploit uh, or some, you know, terrible, you know, character flaw like you say the racist guy. Um, and uh it's interesting, like that is probably the most interesting scene of the movie, the one that you were just talking about, in that that character obviously didn't like that his commanding officer was black. But he'd been putting up with it and take, and just dealing with it and being okay with it. But as the yeah. situation got worse and worse and worse, his CO started legit losing his mind. Like, it was pretty transparent to everybody that he was losing his mind. And it was finally all of that tension that made that racism finally bubble over. And unfortunately, <laughs> that cost him his <laughs> life. Like, not that we should feel overly bad for him, but, like, <laughs> it was a bad yeah. way to go. Uh It would have been like it's interesting that as he dies he says he he killed me master sergeant or is that what he was referring to him as and uh you know he just called him nigger a few seconds ago and was shot and as he was dying he chose not to call him that again (laughs) right like It,
2: it could yeah it could have been handled if it was like in a better film it'd be quite a quite quite a good scene because it you know it makes you question like oh he the guy is going crazy yeah the racist guy has been sort of controlling his you know his 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 nature yeah to whatever degree and 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 you know and before the 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 two guys are out watch. you know the the guy makes them sit outside in the sand yeah watching nothing for hours at a time and they're like talking about how he's losing his mind yeah and Yeah, and it's kind of the only sort of part in the film where it's, you know, there's something
1: interesting going on. Otherwise, it's a lot of sitting around and... It makes me feel like if the production levels were more credible that it might not have salvaged the script. Because even though I am a fan of this writer, this is not his finest hour. J.K. Simmons has some terrible dialogue. Even (laughs) J.K. Simmons couldn't sell some of that shit. Like, he, he... he asks one of the soldiers if he likes a unicorn and when he says yes, he calls him a faggot and that's supposed to be hilarious. <laughs> it's just like really lazy, really and again, uh, part of this is my own fault, Chris, because I came in super excited for Red Sands. I love me some dead birds and I would still say this, you know. Alex Turner's previous movie to this Dead Birds, it's not easy to get your hands to, it's not a big not a lot of fuss around it, but if you can get your hands to it, Check that shit out. That's low-budget horror done really well. This is sort of the opposite.
2: <laughs> uh, this is, and uh, and this is another horror movie uh, trope, I guess, of these military movies of just sending a small group of people on some pointless mission where horrible things can happen to them. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And that's gonna just be how it is, guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: The other really uh, frustrating thing is this whole gin thing. Um, As I've said many times in this uh, podcast, I'm a fairly skeptical-minded guy, and uh, I listen to a lot of skeptical podcasts and stuff like that, but there's another side of me where I will also listen to, like, paranormal podcasts and, like, call-in shows where people call in to talk about their encounters with UFOs and ghosts, because... I I find it fun to listen to, you know. I I don't have to believe it's real to find it interesting or frightening. Or like I just like a good scary yarn. I guess is where I wash up. And lately you've been hearing I've been hearing a lot of this gin stuff. People have been getting into this djinn, this ancient mythology, you know. It's not... the genie in the bottle is not this necessarily Aladdin idea that we have. These can be very malevolent, ancient, evil spirits that don't give a shit about granting wishes. They're more about tormenting (laughs) you to amuse themselves. And I think that a really good movie could be made out of this premise. And I think the idea of, you know, using American soldiers, desecrating an ancient sort of religious artifact... uh, as sort of a metaphor for them invading ancient lands and using them as their battlegrounds for whatever political bullshit reason, it, there's a lot of stuff here that should have grown rich fruit. Yeah. And again, here I sit, <laughs> just fucking frustrated. <laughs> so here's the yeah, challenge yeah. to you. I guess we talked about that one scene. Say something nice about Red Sand.
2: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, beyond that scene...
2: Um. No, you, you got I've me there. You. I've stumped you. you. You stumped me, yeah. <laughs> just the That's it. The premise. I like the premise. I like the that's premise. That's all I
1: can say. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess that's all I can say, too. It's been short and sweet on Red Sands, but all I would do would be just, you know, continuing to stump on, on some people that I legit think are, you know, talented. I don't know what happened here. I honestly don't. Maybe they you know got the funding for the movie before they were 100% ready to go or, or you know they made a commitment and they made the best movie they could given the situation they had and unfortunately that's what this is i'm happy that simon barrett's gone on to greater things alex turner i don't think ever really recovered from this um, but it's a damn shame chris it is yeah no no no, no, no. <laughs> You guys know they used to use this as a test ground for A bombs? Where is everybody? Hello!
2: Keep your eyes open.
0: You hear something? What is it?
1: Once upon a time, I reviewed Alexander Aja's remake of The Hills Have Eyes, and it very much surprised me that it ended up number one in my ranking of movies in that list. It was the episode Bad Trips. Uh, I thought it was really well made, and it got my blood up. I got angry watching that movie. This this nice family got wronged by these hill folk, and I wanted to see them get some payback, and they fucking did. (laughs) And uh, we come to the sequel here, and... This is kind of indelicate, because we recently lost Wes Craven. In fact, about a year ago, I did a tribute episode to Wes Craven, and I will consider myself a fan. Um, But he's one of these horror directors who is always a little bit ashamed that he was always locked in the genre box, and he would always brag that he he would make his movies about something more than just violence, than just exploitation. It therefore puzzles me that Wes Craven and his son wrote the screenplay to this movie. Because, honestly, there's nothing to this movie except for horrendous violence and really uh, ugly sexuality. (laughs) Like, the stuff that worked in the, like, Aja remake is present in that there is some really well-executed scenes of action and horror and fighting of these mutant hill folk and some of that stuff works, to a decent enough degree as sort of a thrill factory. But because the movie isn't about anything more than this, and because there are scenes that are so ugly that it kills any fun that the movie is attempting, I am disappointed by this sequel. But uh, I would love to hear an Australian perspective. <laughs> well, this is... Uh, this is,
2: I haven't seen any of The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, this is your uh, first entry so point, yeah. The... Huh? This is yeah, well, except except I accidentally started watching The Hills Have Eyes to nineteen seventy seven. Which for might a while. actually even like...
1: be worse than this movie. <laughs>
2: and I was like, what is Larry talking about? This movie isn't military. Isn't what he, he pitched to me. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the military? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, are these are these like strange hippie people in the army in some way later? <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> this uh, this movie I for the first half i was just like this is this is terrible this is terrible film. and then the second half it just goes it goes so over the top that i kind of got on board with the old ridiculous ultra violence and it gradually becomes
1: fun it gradually yeah, it becomes fun
2: yeah but it's it's not worth it really and you know it's juvenile as well there's like there's a there's a there's a man in the toilet. Yeah.
1: Well, I gotta say that was a pretty effective jump scare. Yeah, the hand <laughs> the yeah, hand yeah. coming out of the yeah. porto potty. I think that's some sort of weird primal fear. Not necessarily that a hand would come out of the porto potty, but that <laughs> something or a snake or something yeah. would be down there. I read this uh, horrifying story. I when I was a kid I hung out with a lot of frontiersmen and they had a place they hung out the lake, but really old school uh well, you wouldn't call them porta potties. there' were a hole in the ground and a shed over them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you yeah. basically sit on a wooden plant and shit into a hole. Uh, like there was... Was squats in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, an outhouse <laughs> is what they're usually referred to, right? But like, apparently the story was somebody went in to use the outhouse that hadn't been used in a long time, and as he was urinating into a hole, a bunch of bats flew out. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can that you imagine? Harder, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad that that didn't happen to me. But I heard that story as a kid, and every time I fucking go to one of those things, it comes to my mind. Something could be down there. <laughs>
0: anyway. I'm not
2: comfortable putting my genitals over anything, which is just
1: a dark hole.
0: You're going to be, <laughs> it's just You're gonna be stretching a away guy. for eternity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, premise, the basically, um, after the family, the Carter family from the original movie, suffered such a terrible fate, um, this whole area has been flagged. Um, we found out in the first movie that they were using this area for missile testing. They told people to leave, but a lot of people decided instead of leaving their homes, they would hide in the mines and uh, <laughs> consequently got irradiated. And uh, all of their offspring has grown into these hill folk. But apparently they've either killed or somehow run out of women because the real focus of the narrative in the second one is that like, they seem to be trying to reproduce. They seem to be trying to get more offspring. The movie opens in this utterly horrifying scene of this woman imprisoned in a cave giving birth and before even giving a chance to hold her baby being bludgeoned to death. And Mm -hmm. credits! And then they're going to try and be this goofy, fun movie full of one-liners and, and like, beats of, you know, satire. Or maybe not even satire. It's not even that smart. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, But, you know, a hand comes out of a toilet, and that made me jump. And, like, (laughs) there is a craftsmanship to the movie. Like, it's not incompetent. Like, Red Sands, the movie we were just talking about, bordered on incompetent in its execution and I certainly wouldn't say that about the Hills Have Eyes too. I would just say it's not my kind of thing and I come into it as a fan of part 1. So yeah.
2: Well, I mean the like high points in terms of production are definitely like the, the mutants look really cool. Yeah. You know, great great makeup. They look, they look so convincingly gross and
1: deformed. Memorably, and... Derek Mears plays this guy whose skin seems to almost look like the rock. He camouflages himself into the environments. Yeah. He also played uh, Jason in the remake of Friday the 13th. He seems to show up in a lot of these horror movies. Um, yeah, I did like the look of the mutants. And I did like that at least... One of the female uh, military people who are coming in to secure the area gets kidnapped by the hill folks, and before she can be rescued by them is unfortunately raped, Uh, they give her uh, a chance to avenge her her rape (laughs) by literally taking a sledgehammer to the genitalia of this creature. But it it was a really... (laughs) Again, it's just part of the stupidity of the movie. It, it almost like they made that big bad guy get killed three times because like they wanted our hero, the main dude, to to kill it. <laughs> they wanted the the hot chick, the you know, his sidekick, to contribute. But then they also had to you know let this woman who'd been wronged have this sort of very personal, almost sexual revenge, right? Uh, So instead of just picking one of those, they did all fucking three.
0: (laughs) They just killed
1: (laughs) him over and over. Now suddenly, these things, they're not just mutants, they're zombies all of a sudden. Like, a piece of his brain falls on his fucking foot and there's still fight in it. Like, (laughs) the stuff that I did like about the movie was, like I said, when we got later on into the movie, when we got into tunnels... And uh the group dynamics started falling apart in a way that like we didn't see in battle of Los angeles
2: yeah, no and it, it was good and then then there's like the the friendly monster, yeah, like, the... what's like his motivations is he really helping them yeah uh and and the the their sets are great inside the the caves that look really grim and gritty, and you know there's lots of flies buzzing around human meat, but again, uh, it's really.
1: I expect a higher slightly higher bar than Wes Craven and Wes Craven (laughs) has made some terrible movies I'm not saying the man's infallible but I mean if we were able to sit down and talk to him and unfortunately we can't like and we were to say what is the Hills Have Eyes 2 about he would probably you know stroke his beard and give you some intellectual explanation but it would be (laughs) bullshit because it was about money yeah he wanted, you know, his son wanted to get his foot in the door of the movie business and uh he said even in the in the in the documentary on the disc that uh when they were approaching you know who's going to write the screenplay he said well my son and I could give you a script in a month you know. It was just something yeah. that he knew he could write quickly and easily that wouldn't be, you know, it's it, <laughs> transparent that he didn't care that deeply about it, you know. <laughs> just just the paycheck. Going back to you said you almost or you watched some of the original 70s hills of ice mm-hmm. 2 that's an infamously terrible sequel like it's full of flashbacks to the original movie like that's a paycheck production like again <laughs> he is not above doing terrible movies but when he's on he can be really interesting which is why you know when i saw his name attached to the screenplay i i, I gave myself hope that it would be about something more but it. I was put off by that opening scene. Like, it took me out of the movie, made put a sour look on my face, and it took almost an hour into the movie for me to recover and actually start, like, getting into the superficial fun thrills of the movie. That does seem to be a trigger for me, I'm going to confess. <laughs> rape? Yeah. Like, rape just, just fucking spoils the meal for me. Like, it, it's not entertaining to me.
2: No, and...
1: I don't...
2: Rape usually
1: doesn't make a movie better. Well, (laughs) yeah. Going back to the original, though, one of the family members is raped in the original film. We don't see it particularly graphically, but it's a horrifying thing that happens to her, this this violation, and Mm -hmm. it feeds into the revenge that the family has to do. And, like, I'm not saying that you're not allowed to have rape in your movie, but it felt like a necessary component of the story to sort of feed this emotional response that the ending will give in the first movie and in the second movie it just felt hill folks rape so let's have us some rape yeah gratuitous yeah yeah and
2: i just have to point out that this is maybe the worst portrayal of any military in in a film <laughs> so, <laughs> I I guess maybe the excuse is they're national guardsmen, yeah. but like uh, their their equipment is so bad, it looks so <laughs> like they found it for two dollars in a some Chinese junk shop, and everything's sort of hanging off them. All of their pouches are always empty. You know, <laughs> they're meant to be on a training mission. They're carrying nothing.
0: Yeah.
2: And and they they when they go into the hills, the sergeant says, just bring one magazine. That shit's heavy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's not like you know anybody's Bullets been killed here before. It's not like a family didn't get slaughtered. It's not like their people were supposed to meet here and missing. And it's not like we didn't just find a guy who literally hid in the bottom of a Porto potty to avoid being killed by the. Ignore all of that. No.
0: Yeah. This is a check is your fun. brain at the door
1: movie. And, I mean, for what it is, it's well made. I do think there's people out there that would like it more than I do. I just don't happen to like it that much. Good enough. Yeah. That's good enough. <laughs> Countdown started.
0: Element <Anno-meds> released. <laughs> oh. I just saw. Type of gamma released. Something that was already there. My son is unique. And the world will not tolerate his existence. What did you do to me? I improved on nature a million times more powerful. My God. I need everything we have to stop his movement. You will only fuel his rage and make him stronger. You know I never hurt you. When you're left with no choice. I'm sending her a surprise visit from some friends of mine. When you're pushed too far. You pathetic freak. Don't just get even. You're making me angry. Get mad. I don't think you're going to like me when I'm angry.
1: So as a rule, I like to say I'm a fan of Ang Lee, okay? I think that he he's made a lot of interesting and very different films, and uh, as a visual stylist, he's very, very impressive. And earlier in this episode, we were talking about Red Sands, where I was saying, uh, here's a movie that I got excited about, and consequently, uh, I was maybe more disappointed than I even would have been otherwise. The idea of Aang Lee being selected to direct Hulk for the big screen, seemed at once kind of way out of left's field and kind of brilliant at the same time. Like, he was hot off of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon at this time. So we knew that he could do an amazing action sequence. And he did, you know, say that he wanted to, you know, work in pushing special effects in the visual medium in a way that, you know, his subsequent films like Life of Pi, which is just a visually absolutely incredible movie. He is a stylist that uh, even his disappointments, I think, are worth looking at. And Hulk, unfortunately, (laughs) has to be categorized (laughs) as one of his disappointments. But I gotta say, I mean, talking to my buddy from Australia, when I heard Eric Bana was cast, when I heard Chopper Reed (laughs) was cast (laughs) as the Hulk, I got super excited. And then Ang Lee was doing the visuals, and... You know, the Spider, some of the Spider-Man movies were out, but the Marvel Universe wasn't what it was yet, you know? But uh, people knew of the Hulk was either the comic book or that 70s TV show. So, like, we were finally getting a real Hulk smash movie. Like, bring it. Bring us some big green mutant monster fights. Bring us some Eric Bana, because I know that dude can bring the menace. And Ang Lee is going to make this movie look beautiful. And wo and behold, Jennifer Connelly, who, you know, despite spending most of the movie "I fucking me uh, <laughs> gives a really strong performance. It's, it's weird because, like, she just won an Oscar. And, you know, like people who win the Oscars, Halle Berry wins an Oscar, she goes and does a James Bond movie. Jennifer Connelly wins an Oscar, she does a superhero movie. Right? High-profile, big-money-making picture. I love the style of the movie. I love the zip camera pans and the frames. And I love, like, sort of the suppressed menace that you can see buried in Eric Bana. But he never gets to let it out. He never gets no. to let it out. It's, so uh... my heart is a little broken over this one because I want to be saying, wow, this is this was the superhero movie that brought, you know, to the next level. But it, it really isn't. It's a good swing. It's an interesting swing but it is a failure. Mm, I I have to agree. And I I love Eric Banner
2: particularly because he's Australian. (laughs) He's got a Croatian father and a German mother, just like me. So we're very very similar in my mind. But, you know, anyway. But it's just, yeah. And what doesn't work particularly is the... And what they do well in the new films is that you feel that with the... New Avengers, you feel like that Bruce Banner and the Hulk are one and the same. With yes. this film, there's quite. It seems like there's quite a powerful disconnect when he becomes the Hulk. It doesn't seem anything like. There's no. There's no sort of hint of that in the Bruce Banner character in this film, for, for what
1: I what I feel. He may look more like we imagine the Hulk would look from the comic books. But I don't believe for a second that it's Eric Bana. Eric Banna yeah. leaves the movie and a cartoon takes over. This, you yeah. know, they didn't manage Gollum or Smeagol or anything like that with this. Like, the actor's translation didn't happen. I didn't believe the Hulk when he was the Hulk. It became a cartoon. And at times a pretty impressive looking cartoon. But I could never tell myself that it was anything but a cartoon. Um... Yeah, like this is the origin story of the Hulk. Bruce Banner gets irradiated by gamma rays. And uh, (laughs) if he gets too angry, he hulks out, turns into a rage creature. And uh, this makes it difficult for his girlfriend and for his girlfriend's (laughs) father, who is a military fellow involved in the experiments and who needs to hunt the Hulk down.
2: Yeah. Um, And there's, there's very much a lot. That's interesting in this film. Like you're talking about like the the cinematography and stuff, and just like every shot is sort of fascinating. There's lots of like layered on layered on like you know like trying to literally put a comic book on the screen. Yeah. And and sometimes that works, and sometimes it's absurd. (laughs) Like the worst, the most ridiculous shot is when the i don't know the generic baddie guy he's, oh. he's like he's an evil baddie and he's like i'm gonna take the whole cap myself right
1: and he, and then he gets josh lucas
2: yeah and then it explodes behind him huge explosion and then he gets outlined in a white border and it's like freeze frame and it's so it gives funny. you
1: a second to enjoy that character's fate or it shows <laughs> you what the panel would look like in the comic book just for a split second yeah uh, and it does that like that it seems like the page is turning here and there but the the movie's not written in sort of the quick sort of spunky cartoonish way that a comic book would though either it takes itself very seriously there's like emotional yeah. like connections and depth and tragedy and then all of a sudden there's a fight with a like giant poodle monster <laughs> Yeah, the these double two, double
2: hulk poodles.
1: Yeah, these two dogs get hulked out and he has this fight with them defending Jennifer Connolly. Who really kept on staring at me through the screen? Like, what do you want from me, Jennifer Connolly? But whatever? Uh, <laughs> the Hulk is fighting these two ridiculous looking monsters. And again, I kept thinking, if this was in a comic book, I wouldn't be thinking twice. But here I am thinking, this movie's taking itself so seriously. Why is it a fucking you know French poodle and a bulldog monster that he's fighting? Like <laughs> like yeah. it's it's like, oh, grim and dark in like outside
2: in the night and and Jennifer Connolly's in. In the car right yeah and she's locked in like, the car well, it's, like, it's like it's like true but uh <laughs> you know but and then it's like a huge green man punching a huge poodle and yeah. it's just it's it's so
1: absurd it's, uh, uh, once we get to the military base since you're talking about where the dude <laughs> josh lucas blows himself up uh <laughs> for me like the hulk escaping the military base and like Throwing the tanks halfway across the desert to have them splash down in a sand dune—that stuff genuinely put a smile on my face.
2: Yeah, that and was
1: the best part. I yeah, do I like think the that... whole
2: military angle yeah. in this. And uh, as ridiculous, like Sam Elliott. Too. Sam
1: Elliott was running the guys who were chasing him down. Yeah,
2: as ridiculous as yeah, it is
1: that the Hulk jumps from place to place, I think they <laughs> sold that surprisingly well too. Fighting the tanks.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but sorry, you're yeah, saying no, Sam Elliott. It looks good. Yeah, Sam Elliott is
2: is my favourite part of the film because he's the antagonist. Yeah. But he's not bad. He's, you know, he's he's doing what he thinks is right. He's trying to contain the Hulk, and yeah. you're not even you're not particularly against him. Really, I wasn't. I was like. You know, mostly on his side. He's trying to, trying to stop this green rage monster yeah. from destroying you know, America and killing his daughter.
1: You need a good actor for those roles, too. Uh, like, he, he doesn't have a lot of interaction with the action going on. His job is to make it credible. And when he's giving that performance, he doesn't know what the Hulk's going to look like. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> it reminds me of David Strathairn in the nouveau version of Godzilla who spends that whole movie calling the the behind-the-scenes shots, where's the location of Godzilla? You know, you need somebody who can say that credibly, and that is a tall fucking order, right? So, yeah, big big props to Sam Elliott. I would say, warts and all, problems and all, that if the movie had ended when the Hulk escaped the military base... Like, and then he was off to an uncertain future. The hunt would continue. Maybe there'd be more Hulk movies. Maybe there wouldn't. I would say that this movie was deeply flawed, but check it out. The problem is that the movie goes on for another half an hour. And by the was, time that shocked. half an hour is over, the bed has been so thoroughly shat upon that there's <laughs> no salvaging it. And it's heartbreaking. <laughs> This all yeah, falls at I... the feet of the script and of the unsubtle performance from Mr. Nick <laughs> Nolte.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll get to him in a moment. I was I was shocked when I saw, well I re- I saw this when it sort of around when it came out, and and then when I rewatched it, when he unrages in front of Jennifer Connelly, and then I was like, ah, the movie has ended. Yes. And then I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's not
1: ended. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and and then I was like I remember it I don't remember anything
2: after this part when I watched it the first time you just
1: blocked it out because it's ridiculous yeah yeah all of a sudden
2: Nick, Nick Nolte his performance is
1: wow He's credited as father. They don't even give him a name, right? He's just this figure, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? Well, it turns out he's going to be bad. He's going to literally bite (laughs) through a power cord and wolf out for this
0: completely
1: (laughs) ridiculous, like, end of the movie. And, like, God damn, like, you're spending this much money. You're bringing this many people together. Really, did nobody anywhere in the room say, this is the script we're shooting, we're all okay with this? Like, you might have added, you know, several million dollars to the production, but either scrap that ending or reshoot it. And that's the heartbreaking thing. Like I said, if they ended the movie with the Hulk escaping from that military base, it still would have been a very so-so origin movie. But I would have given it a conditional, it's flawed but check it out kind of review.
2: Yeah, and the the final scene with like when he's being shot at by cluster munitions and he's fighting the tanks, that's a excellent climax. It's it's really cool. Like he he pulls a turret off a tank and he uses it to block a tank shell, yeah. you know, from another it's it's
1: cool. And, and for a moment Hulk uh, smash and the fans are happy, but you have yeah. to sort of fight your way through a lot of sludge to get there. And I I weep for Eric Banner. Somebody give Eric Banner something to do, damn it. Like, uh, I I, I just, like, I realized pretty early when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, no, because Eric Banner is is Bruce Banner. Eric Banner's not the Hulk. (laughs) And we need Eric Banner to be the Hulk, you guys. Damn it. Put some dots on him and get him out there acting.
0: (laughs) Missed opportunity.
1: Missed opportunity, you guys. Um, and there it is. Like I said, at the end of the movie, everybody's sort of, like, in an unfinished, sort of open-ended kind of place of the movie. Uh, Jennifer Connelly's upset, and, like, I know that she spent a lot of that movie conflicted with her feelings about Eric Banna and distracted by the presence of me in the world. But <laughs> she needed to get me out of her head and focus on the performance. Uh, yeah, alas, alas, it's a swing and a miss on the Hulk. It is definitely an interesting failure, like, and you know, maybe yeah. maybe the Marvel Universe wouldn't be what it is today if not for the misstep of this Hulk. But uh, <laughs> damn, help you guys them pick up that game. <laughs> Uh, do yeah. check out Life of Pi do you know don't let this be the measure by which you judge Ang Lee because he's an artist I think he's legit <laughs> just stay away from superheroes dude
0: <laughs> over 60 years ago the war ended but for 8 men I've worked with nice before so what is real story huh top who unearthed the past? Yeah. An equation that could potentially alter reality. A soldier that was invulnerable, unstoppable. The battle has just begun. Bring it on. Ah! They want soldiers? Let's give them soldiers.
1: Fucking Nazis, dude. <laughs> Nazis are the worst. (laughs) They get a bad rap. (laughs) Do they? Do they get a bad rap, though? I think the only thing worse than a zombie, or than a zombie, the only thing worse than a Nazi would be a Nazi zombie. And uh, that's what Ray Stevenson and his uh, sort of gun-for-hire group uh, are are set against when they get set to to investigate this bunker in somewhere Europe where uh, some Nazis had been doing uh, studies involving fringe science and probably, you know, (laughs) supernatural. Uh, They have found the key to making the soldier that will not die. As long as they are within range of this device, this humming device, they are unkillable zombies. And um, Ray Stevenson and his group of soldiers get to find this out the hard way. They first have to find the bunker, find out what it is, and what it does. And by the time that's happened, most of them are dead. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Such is the premise of this dark and grisly horror movie called Outpost. Um, For a movie about Nazi zombies, I'm going to come out and say, it exceeds my expectations. Uh, I talked about this once before, a few years ago, with my friend Ryan Giese. It was so hot in our (laughs) garage that both he and I were having having trouble articulating ourselves. So uh, we're going to go round two. Originally, you and I were going to talk about the sequel, but we had a miscommunication. Happily, I had a nice little binge fest on Outpost, and I watched (laughs) all three of them. So we are going to talk about Outpost. Badass British soldiers versus... Nazi zombies. What'd you think, brother? Yeah. This was a
2: surprisingly enjoyable film. I, you know, I thought, I thought, well, I thought this, this didn't go the way I expected. I thought this is a Nazi zombie movie. There's going to be con- like that's going to be the the focus. It's going to be, you know, literally fighting Nazi zombies, ridiculous looking Nazi zombies, the whole film. But no, there's like a real ratcheting of tension. And there's a long time into the movie before you you get to know what's going on and there's and the group dynamics pretty interesting. they go to great efforts to make all the characters have little quirks and you know they're a ragtag mercenary bunch, there's like a Russian one, they tease him, and then yeah. there's like a S- southern American, he's like unhinged. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, and that's what I agree with you, man. I don't think they had a ton of money on this. They had good production design. They definitely had a good cinematographer and, you know, DOP. But, like, they took their time. They let us get to know the guys in the group. Even whether we liked them or disliked them, we knew them a little bit before the shit went down. And when the shit goes down, the death in this movie, like is grisly there are some brutal kills and i've got like (laughs) i've got a pretty thick skin when it comes to shit like this you know i I'm, i'm not i'm not soft i don't like to think that i am but there's a couple of kills in this movie that just make me wince and i think that they're technically well executed that you'd probably get a reaction either way but because i know the characters and give a shit a little bit it makes the horror movie effectively horrifying which is becoming an increasingly rare thing. Like, for all the death we saw in The Hills Have Eyes 2, were you horrified? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I was, I was laughing. Yeah. You know,
2: when the guy's climbing the, the hill and his arms get cut off, and yeah. he goes, <laughs> I,
1: I was not laughing here. And I don't think I was no. meant to laugh. I think this, they set out to make a horror movie, and they spent time on things like atmosphere and character. So that when the blood comes, and yes, the blood must inevitably come, it matters. I'm a yeah, fan. It's, I'm a big fan. Yeah,
2: it's effective, and you have the, like, the Nazi officer,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he's he he's fairly early in the film. He's in the bunker as this mysterious naked guy. They find in a pile of corpses, yep. and they don't know what his deal is, and and then they're like freaking out and getting more and more unsettled, and then they execute him. And then he comes back. You know, it's 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 cool. It's a good film. Yeah. And you know, when they're having firefights with like nobody. Yeah. It's tense. You know, like and they're bickering with each other. The dynamics really great. You know, one of them says, "I got him. I definitely got him." And the other one's like, "Well, you go out there and and check." Yeah.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) But and this is a one small quibble and this is a thing that i think psychologically your your instinct would be to continue firing i understand it but it did almost become frustrating like you can't kill them with your machine gun that doesn't even seem to be slowing them down, and yet they keep on stopping and turning and firing their guns into them like this time it's <laughs> gonna work this time for, how about you try taking out their knees? Maybe they'll be crawling after you, you know like they just yeah. there's like the military training center mass, you know <laughs> they just keep shooting them and shooting them in the body, and they just keep. Coming, and you'd think sooner or later one of them would fucking get the script on this. Like, okay, I, they're, I think, unkillable. Yeah. <laughs> they're unkillable, they're unkillable, you... unkillable. In and th- that's sort of the biggest
2: problem is that the, the zombies are sort of very weirdly inconsistent. That uh... <clears throat> well, firstly, there's only so much t- t- punishment a human body could conceivably take, yeah. regardless of how they're animated. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. But that doesn't happen, so whatever. Okay, well, ignoring that. When they first sort of encounter the zombies, they're sort of, like, teleporting around spookily. Like, they kill a guy, they stab him with uh, in in the gut with a pitchfork. Yeah. And then they're, they're gone, they vanish. And then later, they're kind of just shambling towards them. There's no... Consistency with and What's there's no rules around them. They just do whatever the the, the, script, the script writer wanted them to do at that time.
1: Yeah, after a point, it doesn't become about a battle about zombies. It's a battle against this tech. Yeah, this ancient Nazi tech that they managed to switch on, and how are they going to turn it off? There's some small details of this movie that I got to love too. The propaganda film that they find, they run that animated yes. film uh, of like the glorious Nazi na- nation that these soldiers are so badass that when they die, they'll just get back up and keep fighting for the cause. It was yeah, really it was well was done, great. really well done and, and felt authentic.
2: It felt yeah, just like uh, the Rocketeer. I instantly thought of the yeah. Rocketeer, which is my favourite. In the Rocketeer, when they when they're showing the the flying Nazi Superman taking over the world and and like the jetpack experiment that blows up and stuff, and then this movie does it too. You know, the the, the animated
1: zombie gets yeah. up and keeps fighting for the fatherland. My memory of the Rocketeer was just Jennifer Connelly staring out at me through the screen with <laughs> these wanting eyes. It was distracting. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, outpost. I'm going to have to like make a subtitle for this episode. This is like all about Jennifer Connelly. The, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the death. I I I I I've already hit this point, but I want to say it again. There are some absolutely brutal deaths. When we get towards the end, there's one particular character who we like. He's been genuinely making the right moral call and the right call generally throughout the movie. And it's down to the last three of them, and they're just buying time to try and get this machine shut off. And he backs into a doorway and falls into this room, and he gets stabbed by about five Nazis simultaneously, (laughs) just plunge these blades into him repeatedly. And he, like, gurgles out in this just really awful, disturbing manner. Another guy is trying to fight off a zombie as it's sliding a blade. The blade actually squeaks between his teeth as he's being stabbed. It's just absolutely nauseating. You're just like, Wow. This is this is hardcore. This is capital H horror. And um, I was sort of, there's been so many zombie movies in the last while where everything is sort of half-hearted and not really serious, and they blow off somebody's head and it's a punchline. And I loved how horrifying the death was in this movie. It's a strange thing to say that I love that death where a guy gets a blade (laughs) slid through his teeth, but like, so often, like you were talking about with Hills Have Eyes 2, I see an incredible act of violence, and I just don't react at all, like I don't. Yeah. I don't empathize. I don't it's just like, yep, that guy's dead. Another headshot. He's down. This well, movie they, made me feel things.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, they, they bother to like, they don't rush it in, in a way. You know, it's horrifying. Like his, it's going into his mouth and you're like, oh, it gives you a moment to like think about that <laughs> sensation. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not like a, a jump scare moment
1: or anything we
0: don't it's it's effective
1: we don't lead to a particularly happy place in this movie um uh, (laughs) i do think that i kind of knew that early i don't know if that's a flaw or not but by the time they were in the bunker and the machine was turned on i had myself well convinced that nobody was making it out of this (laughs) um and I don't mind again horror movies that have dark endings, but I typically prefer to be kind of surprised by them than for them to feel kind of inevitable
2: um yeah yeah they're 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 uh, they're falling back further and further into the bunker they uh, didn't feel like they were gonna get out, yeah. I guess in a way that's a little refreshing at least you know there's no like
1: miraculous ah a helicopter <laughs> that's, yeah that's run to safety but and you get the feeling like everybody involved in some way in the story is somehow corrupt the people who are looking for this bunker kind of want to get their hands on the tech you feel like and these mercenaries are just that they're guns for hire you kind of wonder what the jobs previous to this were some of the guys in the crew seem like pretty bad people (laughs)
2: yes (laughs) for sure (laughs) so So, the acting is is very solid in this film there's there's no there's nothing egregious at all uh, you know it's convincing yeah. and yeah and the and the and the characters are suitably grisly like they're the, some of their
1: faces you know <laughs> it's like no there's no pretty boys in this movie no yeah, that, that's very true <laughs> there's not some handsome lead that you know you 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 count on making it through the movie they're, these are actors good characters you believe them to be badasses.
0: Uh, yeah. The movie yeah.
1: has two sequels. I kind of w- almost wish that it had three <laughs> but uh <laughs> the the second one there's a, it's about this woman who's hunting uh Nazi war criminals who stumbles upon this tech and the the third is a sort of prequel that happens before even the events of the other two movies that sort of talks about the establishment of the technology and the zombies in it but The second movie kind of, sort of ends on a cliffhanger note in a weird way. And uh, I like all three of the movies. I mean, they're not amazing. They are Nazi zombie movies. But they're well enough (laughs) produced and interesting enough in premise that I kind of would have taken even round four. (laughs) So I'm a surprise fan of Outpost. If you're a fan of zombies, definitely check it out. And uh, generally speaking, if, if you like your horror movies to have teeth, This definitely is that, you know, this this isn't winking at you. This isn't scream. This isn't remember those other horror movies of days gone by. This is remember when horror movies were scary and disturbing (laughs)
0: like
1: this.
2: Yeah, Yeah, they uh, they're not aping off anything uh, particularly that I can think of anyway.
1: I think it's well worth a watch for fans of genre. Again, for fans of genre. <laughs> if you're typical, <laughs> if you're you're more of a Robin Williams kind of fan, then maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, check it out. Anything else you want to say about Outpost, brother? No, that's it. All the way from perth australia this is my second big international episode are you selling the podcast to the good people of perth my 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 two friends are well informed (laughs) (laughs) you see if your two friends can talk to the get outside the social circle (laughs) um keep trying yes uh thank you for doing it again uh it's been a blast uh military response what was your least favorite of these six movies and why
2: well, it has to be Red Sands is ranked last because uh, it's the only good thing about it, premise and one effective sequence. Yeah. Well, arguably effective sequence does not make a good movie. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's, it's bad cinematography, bad acting, bad scripts, and just, you know, the camera's not even in focus for most of the film.
0: It's not, it's,
2: it's not good.
1: Heartbreaking.
2: Yeah. Uh, second last, I'm going to put Starship Troopers 2. Uh, despite a few, there's a few pluses there. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but as a Starship Troopers sequel, it's totally all, oh, it's all wrong. It doesn't feel like it belongs in that universe, really. Yeah. And and the the obvious budget constraints are, are pretty pretty appalling. Um, next is Hills Have Eyes 2, and it's you know it's it's exploitative, it's over the top, it's you know it's a cash in, but halfway through the film it starts ramping up to such a absurd level that uh, I I kind of got a little into it. Yeah. Um, next. I'm going to put Hulk and this is so far up the list because of the other films that have preceded it. But (laughs) it's, yeah, it does. It's, it's like 50% of the way a good movie. It's got a lot of interesting scenes, some, some interesting characters and some interesting elements and interesting if unusual cinematography. Yeah. I can't hate it, despite it, you know, being such a disconnect between cartoon Hulk fighting and Eric Banner, the sad nerd, bullied yeah. nerd, <laughs> and then it's a bit of a shambles. And then there's Nick Nolte being uh, Nick crazy Nulty. in his war, war poodle. You know, uh, it's <laughs> but it's it's entertaining. It's, yeah, it's entertaining if nothing else uh all right second is outpost which is solid effective horror film and it's only really let down the zombies uh just a little lack of credibility because of they you know don't have any seeming rules yeah. and and you know obviously budget is not a huge highly budgeted film it's not uh, you know, it's definitely not a visual feast, but it's good script, good characters, great horror, uh, tense, and and you know, surprisingly good. And you know, Nazi zombies are fun.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then first is uh, Battle for LA, which is just a cool, cool film, cool yeah. war film, cool zombie alien cool alien invasion film. Yeah. And there's there's so much to enjoy in that film, and and it's a shame that to make these movies in America with the uh, military support to get all those, the, all that sweet equipment, yeah. you need to, you need to have unambiguously good, good guys who, who do everything in the name of patriotism and the love of freedom.
1: Best tool just, for United States military uh, propaganda since call of duty though, really. <laughs>
2: yeah. But I mean, I'm happy. I'm honestly happy, very happy for if you're going to do a military propaganda film, you know, don't fight some some poor desert tribesmen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, fight aliens. their country.
2: You know, you're shooting bad aliens who rock up on the beach and start shooting civilians. Yeah. Have at it. Join the <laughs> army.
1: Hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta say, Chris, it's really close list. So close that I'm a Ooh. little bit heartbroken over it because <laughs> I'm not passionate about this. It's hard to give too deep a fuck about most of these movies. So damn if you're not super close to stealing your throne <clears throat> uh matt risling because i know matt Risling is listening you just got away with something here buddy yeah red sands is the worst of these movies and it's heartbreaking to me because like i i am a fan of a lot of people who are involved in this movie and remain a fan of a lot of people who are involved in this movie it's just heartbreaking to see this much talent produce something that would make you believe that whoever made it did not have any talent because (laughs) i know that the opposite of that is the truth so what happened genuinely you guys what happened (laughs) Uh, unfortunately so few people saw this movie that no one will will find out because nobody cares In fifth position, I put The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. And honestly, I do think it's sort of the rapey angle and that really disgusting opening sequence. I was really turned off by the movie early, and it took me a long time to win my way back. I also think on the theme of, like, the military response, this military team was the least credible of, like, probably (laughs) all of these movies. So, uh yeah it just it it edged its way to fifth place but again i'm not passionate about it because it's not like starship troopers 2 which is in fourth (laughs) place is such an amazing fucking film right yeah because it could have gone either way it's true like and what you said about it is absolutely true it's so tonally off from the original starship troopers that i just kind of feel like on some level it just fails there but if I just was able to isolate the fact that it wasn't a sequel, I might be able to be more forgiving of it. It's low budget. It's exploitive, It knows what it is, and within the box that it's put itself in, it's moderately effective, if completely forgettable. And you yeah, know, it
2: was it was harder for me to like separate that just because of my <laughs> unabashed love for the Starship Troopers.
1: Right, because right. you
2: know, thirteen year old me,
1: <laughs> the greatest thing. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I mean, it was that whole movie is stolen from other movies. It's just weird that almost none of it is stolen from Starship Troopers. The movie, (laughs) it's a fucking sequel to. (laughs) So the back half of our list is, of course, going to be identical. The Hulk is deeply flawed, but it's one of those frustrating movies where you can see the good movie just under the skin, you know? And like I said, there's a few moments where they could have pulled the plug early, and I would have said, it's flawed. But worth watching. But uh, stick with this filmmaker. I got to see, uh, it was a tangential, but I'll say it anyway, uh, the premiere of Life of Pi, uh, w- uh, sitting next to Yan Martel, the man who wrote the novel Life of Pi, in this big oh, 3D screening. They actually wanted us before we got in. And I remember when I was sitting down to watch the movie being excited about another Ang Lee movie. But that one little reservation stung in my brain. But there was Hulk. There was Hulk. (laughs) It is. is. You know what? If it wasn't two hours and 14 minutes or whatever it is, I still think it might have skated by with a very, very conditional pass. But Nick Nolte fucking pissed in the soup in the last 20 minutes.
2: Making a tight 90,
1: and uh, it would be all right. It It would would be be totally watchable. Yeah. Uh, Outpost is a completely competent but nihilistic horror movie. It's dark and unpleasant almost, and if that's not your bag, it'll probably rub you the wrong way. But for the type of movie it is, it's worth a look. If you liked it, the sequels are worth a look. I think this probably will remain my favorite of the three, but it's just one of these movies that exceeded my expectations on almost every level. Again, not amazing, but totally worth it if you're in that mood, if you're a genre fan. And yes, Battle Los Angeles, uh, despite the fact that I do think it's basically a recruiting tool, is an undeniably entertaining uh, movie. This is the alien movie sort of post 9-11, right? Before Mm -hmm. 9-11, we had movies like Independence Day, where catastrophes were entertainment. And now we have movies like Battle Los Angeles, where catastrophes are terrifying. And I think that that is a step in the right direction. Not that B movies don't have their places, you know. I love movies like Slither, you know, and stuff like that too. But this movie takes itself seriously. It, It goes for the premise, however ridiculous it is. And it maintains its credibility in the wake of a lot of implausibility. So, big points across the board. It exceeded my expectations, and I look forward to hopefully being pleasantly surprised by this director sometime in the future. (laughs) I did not make time for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but uh, who knows, maybe Uh, it's it's amazing.
2: (laughs) That's not going to change your mind. (laughs) Okay.
1: I had a feeling. Thank you you so much, Chris. I really do appreciate you doing this. Uh, Thanks for talking to me from the future.
2: (laughs) That's all right. Uh, I'll let you know how things go off mic. Don't want to
1: violate any temporal prime
2: directives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, Is there anything you wanted to say to the kids on the internet? Anything you wanted to promote or anyone you wanted to say hello to?
2: Uh, no, I'm, I'm fine. Happy to talk to you, Larry. Oh, thanks thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, uh, brother. Really appreciate it. Uh, fun. Have a look. Maybe fun. we'll go round three, huh? <laughs> yeah, we we shall. It's yeah, fun. Good good choice of movies. Definitely definitely fun to pick something.
1: I wouldn't necessarily just watch off, you know, out of my own volition. Can I give you a homework assignment? Go ahead. Watch the sequel to Outpost because that was originally yeah. going to be the movie that we talked about. And uh, since I'm all prepped for it, now I need to talk to somebody about that movie. <laughs> so, well, there you I'll put on my list. You, you liked uh, this one enough. Give it a look. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, brother. the lesson on military response i hope you guys enjoyed that and i hope you're going to keep on listening to rank and review i will be back in two weeks with an episode on animation for adults so tune in for that in the meantime send your feedback to rank and review at gmail.com that's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W. find the show on itunes find the show on facebook seek it out and add it to some of your favorite podcasting applications And as always, tell a friend about Rank and Review. It's just the right thing to do. This is your host and round of Canadian Larry Parsons, as always, saying thank you so much for listening.